everyone. Welcome to the Sunday Weekly Warm-Up. We are so appreciative that you are here joining us live in our private Facebook group. You can head over to that group over at teachbettergroup.com, especially if you're catching this video after the fact. We record this video live as a group chat with our comments, do all the things with our community over in that private group on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. And then we get to restream the conversation for everyone in our community on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn on Monday nights. Of course, this also becoming an episode of Teach Better Talk podcast. Why do we do that? Friends, we do this because we love to hear and engage and chat with our community. So we love being able to stream in one place to see those comments and have you not only interact with us and say hello and good afternoon, but also interact with each other because there's almost like 8,000 people in our group and it's so fun to see you all sharing resources. And then of course, we don't want to you know, gatekeep good information and great content. So we'd love to restream that on our Monday night so you don't miss anything regardless of how you're connected to us. We are very excited to have Matthew Bowerman with us. And of course, my favorite person on the planet, Brad Hughes is here. We will be right back. <laughs> Sunday weekly warm up. We are so excited to be here in our private group. Brad Hughes is in the house here with Matthew Barman, which we're very excited to interview him, especially talk about his new book. And special shout out to Brian in the comments. I don't know if you saw today, but Tottenham Tottenham tied against Man U. I, I don't know if you saw Manchester United was winning at the half. And then just in case anyone needs a spoiler, we tied. Tottenham came back and it landed 2-2. So I just want everyone to be updated on their English Premier League. Brad, what do you think? Uh, I am loving the English Premier League as, as well as anything that's happening on uh, weekend sports. I know it was a big weekend uh, in the NFL with uh, some big wildcard games rated. Have, are you and family following the NFL this weekend? Uh, that's what with the football, right? It's, it's, it's brown, kind of triangle-ish. Yeah, it's kind of like a pointy basketball. It's kind of round in the middle and kind of pointed at both ends. And it throw them in the air. You talk a touchdown, reception, field goal, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm scheduled to care about that in a few weeks. There's something okay. called the Super Bowl that's coming up. I'm going to be a maddening fan here in just a bit. <laughs> so, so stay tuned to the Super Bowl. Is that it? You just You just hold out on your fanship until the big event. Well, I already have my sweatshirt. Matthew, I'm so sorry. We haven't even said hi to you yet officially. Matthew, good to see you. Really quick, hi. Hi. Okay, and then I just want to make sure everybody knows, of course, I have my my Super Bowl shirt ready. It's a really cool crew neck that says Taylor's version in the NFL font. It's really great. It's really good. And and like Taylor, I know that you have a lot going on at the moment, Ray. You worked uh, with uh, family, friends, uh, all things teach better and uh a huge collection of smoothies at your place. You're just uh, enjoying those smoothies day after day. Matthew brought this up. It's like you knew I wanted to keep talking about this. Matthew, what was the question you asked me before we came live? Oh, I saw like a, I saw you like in a reel rocking out like a spinach mango smoothie. I was like, what? And you were talking about it and you were just vibing. I was like, what? 
It's that delicious beverage you had in your hands. Here's here's the deal, friends. I wish that I was cool enough to be like a walking ad where I could give you all promo codes for free things and just tell you how amazing I am and you can be this amazing for the simple cost of $5.99. Like, I wish I could be that person. Instead, I'm just finding really cool things to waste my money on, one of which are these smoothies that I literally am obsessed with. If anyone needs a frozen smoothie that has really healthy, all natural ingredients, fruits and veggies, and tastes amazing. I'm your girl. And I can also throw in, I have a, is anyone doing dry January? Anybody? Dry January? All I can say is I found a really good, and I say this, like I like IPAs, really good non-alcoholic beer that if anyone needs a beer option, oh my God, I I might stick with it permanently. I, I feel that strongly. I'd love to know more about that. I'm a, a big fan of all kinds of beer and have tried the uh, non-alcohol or zero alcohol uh, styles and, and really haven't found one that has much flavor other than sort of a little bit of uh, kind of barley flavored water. Matthew, is, is, is beer part of your life as well? No, I don't. I don't drink at all. Yep. Um, yeah. So he knows. He knows that like, I feel like there's either this option of like, I like the taste of alcohol. So this is the route I go or I right. Or I don't drink and therefore cannot have the flavor. And I'm trying to find a middle because I, I'm i like totally pro not drinking. I mean, I don't really care. But what I do really would like is I really love a good, like a hoppy IPA. So there's two companies I've been looking at. I don't know if they're linked. I need to look further into it. But one is called Athletic Brewing. Mm-hmm. And the other is, oh, it starts with a B. I could text it to you. I'll send it to you, Brad. So good. Hazy IPAs, double IPAs, really good. The one that I have right now is the golden, which is more like a pale ale. And somebody who appreciates beer but doesn't want the effect of alcohol, totally in. And then shout out to Katie Miglin. Thank God she was pregnant last year. She knows a really good white wine that is non-alcoholic. So recommend that if any of you need that too. So sorry to push alcohol, but I guess we're not, we're like not pushing alcohol, right? Like that's what we're doing. <laughs> I think I can get the athletic here in, uh, in Canada, Ray, North of the border. I'd, I'd love to know about, uh, how people here in the comments are celebrating the weekend, whether it's with a toast or whether it's a cup of hot cocoa, very, very cold, bitterly cold, lots of snow here in uh, the Northeast. And I'm wondering, uh, Matthew, in what part of the world you're joining us from. And if you, uh, like me, spent most of the weekend shoveling and then reshoveling and then shoveling again. Now I'm uh, I'm coming at you from uh, the United States here in Maryland, um, about an hour outside of Baltimore in a, a little a little mountain lake town called Newmarket, and uh, we have spent the weekend um, as we always do, buried in the mountains of laundry and uh, cooking and spending lots of time with the kids. Um, all but one of my kids were uh, were home in our home, and one's about ready to go back to school for his second semester of his sophomore year. So um, we were out in the woods hiking and and playing and just you know being crazy and being a family together. So yeah, Matthew, are you having good weather then? Because I know Brad and I are like we're. I mean, Brad's just obviously very north of me, but we get similar weather. And okay. Brad, similar to you, we just had constant snow. We were shoveling, mm-hmm. reshoveling, shoveling again. Wow. Today's temp was negative 32. Oof. So shout out to those Chicagoans that yeah. stayed home today. <laughs> yeah, and those uh, low, low temperatures are on their way uh, 
uh, east to us in Ontario, Ray, and you and I are both impacted by uh, weather along the Great Lakes, uh, Lake Michigan for you and uh, Lake Huron and uh, Lake Ontario and Erie for me. So you, you just never know what the day is going to bring. A shift in the wind can bring a shift in the weather and you can be sunny and uh, crisp and clear one moment and you can be in the middle of a uh, blizzard and a whiteout in the next. Wow. Yeah, we we had like a kind of like a whimsical dusting that fell for about, oh. you know, half an hour today. Um, we're supposed to have a large snowstorm like at least predicted like Tuesday, Wednesday um, or, or Friday of this week or a couple of those. But um, no, it's just been very chilly and windy here, but we've been out in it running around. So it hasn't been too bad. Uh, love it. For everyone here, we would love to hear what the weather is in whatever part of the world you're tuning into, whether you're joining us live or even catching this after the fact. Please participate in the comments. It's a great place to collaborate with different educators, even if they're not live here chatting with you. They'll catch the comment later. We also just want to give a little shout out that if any of you are experiencing hardship this winter, please feel mm -hmm. free to reach out to the Teach Better team. We are very well known to support our community. And if there's anything that we can do to support you, to keep you warm, please keep us updated. We'd love to make sure we are here to, to help make that happen. Matthew, we would love to take a moment also to introduce you while I'm hoping our Teach Better community knows you, especially as somebody who sat front row at the Teach Better conference back in 2022. That's I'd right. love to make sure that everybody here also got an introduction to you because we we get some newbies in our Teach Better family you know, every day and it's always nice to introduce them to awesome, awesome educators. So tell us a little about yourself. Oh, thank you. Um, um, I'm very grateful to be here and thank you so much. And I did. I had a uh, an incredible time at the Ohio Teach Better. Uh, it was just a really wonderful experience. Um, so yeah, big shout out there to the entire team and all of the amazing educators and school staff from everywhere that I had a, and was lucky enough to meet and collaborate with a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm Matthew and I'm a school administrator and assistant principal specifically um, out here in Maryland. Um, and uh, I've been on uh, education. This is coming up on my 27th, 26th, 27th year. Um, I worked, I've worked primarily um, a rural or suburban in Title I uh, schools. My big teaching focus was um, theater and dance, um, musical theater in all, all areas of, of acting, um, English at all levels, reading and special education, working specifically with emotionally disabled um, children, uh, and young adults um, in my teaching career. And then I've been an administrator for about six and a half, six and a half years now specifically. Um, and uh, what else? Um, yeah, I'm. Um, you mentioned the book. I'm lucky enough to also be an author and uh, researcher and speaker and trainer for uh, Teacher Goals. Um, and um, I work and focus specifically in the areas of trauma responsive education and trauma um, specifically and social emotional supports, um, as well as, uh, you know, school family engagement and building community. Um, so I kind of work and write and teach and, and train, uh, in those areas. You know, Brad, as you were popping in, uh, welcoming Matthew to the show before we click the live button, you guys are reminiscing that you got to meet in person over at the Teach Better conference. What was that like for you, Brad, to get to engage with Matthew and the rest of the Teach Better community that was able to join that event live? Ray, Matthew, it was phenomenal. I, I remember I had a front row seat uh, to Matthew's presentation on uh, leading with the heart, the heart leader. And that really resonated with me as a school leader like Matthew leading with love and putting love and that 
heartfelt connection in front of everything that we do. I know that Matthew uh, leverages and really believes in the power of relationships. Really looking forward to digging in uh, to that new book and to your approach, Matthew, about heart leadership. But at the time, Ray, uh, Matthew was introducing uh, heart leadership. He was in introducing uh, the fact that he was writing and, and creating this book. And it, Matthew, your presentation was so engaging. It, it left me feeling incredibly uh, energized, restored, and very hopeful about not only my role as a school leader, but a really uh, hope for uh, our schools growing outwards from your determination to lead from the heart. That's really, thank you very, that's really kind of you to say. Thank you so much. You know, Matthew, I love hearing about educators that are good presenters because I do mm -hmm. think that as educators, whether we're in the classroom or in a leadership role, we have a lot of opportunities to get up in front of an audience group and speak to them, whether the audience group is three years old or the audience group is 18 or the audience group is 55. We get to actually share ideas and share different emotional experiences with people in our educational ecosystem. I know a lot of our people here in our Teach Better family present at conferences like crazy, January, February, especially, or, and, or maybe they're presenting to their own district, their own colleagues, different ideas that they've done in semester one. And now they're sharing kind of the outcomes and what they really enjoyed in semester two. And I would love if you could share maybe some strategies that you have for getting up and presenting. What are some things that you lean on? Obviously, Brad loved being in the audience, learning alongside you in your session. So what made you a, a strong presenter in that, do you think? I think um, for me, I mean, obviously, you know, you need to know your material and, 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 and prepare it in a way that you can access it with people in very authentic ways where you're not reading from slides. Um, whether it be a slide deck, whether it's a PowerPoint, whatever the, whatever the formats that you're using, they should have little on the screen. There should not be that much there. Um, and if there are slides that have a, a variety of um, extensive or, or heavy or comprehensive information, it really should be something that they can pick up with a QR code and they can get later as a free resource that you're gonna offer them. But really, you know, anybody, um, Anybody, that would be my uh, probably my two-year-old singing somewhere in the background, getting ready for bed. Yeah, uh, I love it. it. Hey, it's always about family and love. Absolutely. So, um, you know, there's there's this piece where um, when you're bringing the work, you know, people are coming there to, there's something about the topic, the title, the information that they read in a little blurb or bio that they're, they're showing up for. And so you're really engaging in an act of humanity with them. Like they're coming to be a part of something with you. And so you really need to engage them on the human level. Of like, I'm so grateful you're here. And the difference in this opportunity that you've shown up for today is you. You and I together in this space sharing in something. I'm trying to create conditions and opportunity for us to engage in a dialogue and, and, and a, you know, a collaborative learning session about something that I, as a speaker, am very, I love you, very powerful and positive. Um and important and um, that I'm passionate about. And I want to share that in a way that I'm not going to try to necessarily uh, change your mind or change your opinion, husband, but give you something that's a gift that we can kind of, you know, reciprocally kind of in interact around. Um, uh, for me, a big piece of, I feel like what makes me or brings a uniqueness about what I do, uh, how I do it 
Um, and it's evolved too as I've gotten better and better at it over time is that I tend to, a lot of my stuff's visual in my presentations, but is very vulnerable, is very personal. Um, and I tend to really try to help people understand that any space that they have probably occupied, I've stood in the same place. Any battle that they've fought, I've probably been by their side in one form or another. Any weariness, exhaustion, pain, or loss, um, any miracles and wonderful things that they've experienced, I've probably been fortunate enough in my you know, 26 years or so to live out in some way. And so we can create a connected piece of our story there. And then I can share out parts of my story. And depending on what I'm presenting on, I, I, I pull out different parts of that story to be very vulnerable and very, um, very open with people to connect with them so that they may be able to, as we, as we talk and interact and listen to me and I listen to them, find themselves in my story and I find myself in their story. And then from that place, the learning happens mm. and the, and the, continuing conversation happens and we're learning from each other and sharing tips or strategies. And I'm walking them through scenarios or I'm challenging them as I have in presentations, give me any scenario and I'll give you a, a responsive solution for it. Um, and trying to challenge people to say there's, there's always a way either through prevention work or, you know, responsive work to create solutions, you know, in, in the, in the educational spaces we occupy. Um, but always that, that thread of connectivity around the, the story, the origin, the vulnerability. And then um, I'm trying as, as much as possible to let people know, like, I am going to outpour my love for you that you're here with me. And and we're going to share a lot of love in, in this opportunity together. Mm, lots of beautiful ideas here in just the first few minutes of our conversation. You know, I'm working, Matthew, with a, a presentation coach right now. I love that he's able to, you know, see different content pieces I've put out and they give me feedback. I love feedback, whether it be from someone that I'm, you know, colleagues with or friends with or somebody here in our Teach Better family. I And I, I think something that always has resonated with me is feedback on that vulnerability, the importance of us to realize that vulnerability is such an important component of building relationships with not only the audience, but fostering those relationships, whether you're in person or virtually, it's something I know our team works really, really hard at, and we're not perfect, but it's definitely at the forefront of our mind. Brad, I would love to invite you to be a part of this conversation, not only as somebody who's been in the audience of Matthew presenting, but also as a speaker yourself, as a you know trainer yourself, I'd love to hear your thoughts on things that you like to keep in mind when you're presenting, especially after some great comments that I see pouring in of many, many people planning different presentations coming up in the next few weeks or months. For me, Ray, it's about engagement. And I think about the role that each educator that may be watching and listening plays in his or her educational space as a presenter, not necessarily someone who's a sage on a stage or someone who is a, a presenter for a seminar or workshop, but in front of each of our own classes or in front of a a, a faculty meeting or a, in front of a meeting with parents we're we're always presenting we're we're always on stage and we always have opportunities not only to be heard but to seek to understand and connect before we seek to be understood as well and i think that's part of what uh makes matthew tick it's seeking to understand empathize and connect with those around you matthew uh whether it's uh, teachers parents caregivers uh kids in your life uh, seeking to understand and connect first 
before you recognize what kind of an impact that you might make with the words that you say and the actions that you engender. Mm, so interesting. Yeah, I think, Brad, we've seen that modeled a lot where sometimes it's very common for us to do a quick introduction slide and then dive right into content. We actually find, and we know this with our students, we actually find that if you have a 45 minute presentation, spending 20 to 30 minutes first building the atmosphere is going to allow your audience to truly consume the information that you need. And having those clear objectives really allow you to be able to measure if that you know, goal was met or not. We have so many more things to discuss here. Matthew is going to be featured very soon in just a day, few days, few weeks away Ooh. on the Teach Better Today morning show. But we want to make sure we dive deeper into him, who he is, and his book here. So stick with us. Sunday weekly warm up. We want to welcome you into the conversation. If you're just tuning in with us, feel free to throw in the comments where you're listening from. Say hello to other community. It's the best part of being live as we love to engage with the comments. Matthew Bowerman is here as our guest. We're about to dive into his book. And Brad Hughes, here's the deal. I have the opportunity to interview Matt here very soon on the Teach Better Today morning show. But I know that's not going to be enough time. I want to dive into his book. I want to dive into the work that he does. Where should we begin, Brad? I don't even know where to begin. Ray, I think we should begin just by uh, highlighting Matthew's new book called Heart Leader, a trauma-responsive approach to teaching. There's a quick picture of that cover uh, with not only the heart, but what I noticed too, and maybe a great diving off point here, Matthew, is that there's a fingerprint on the heart. Like I'm, I'm curious, as an evolving heart leader, can you think of a time when there was an aha moment for you where you recognized that heart leadership was where you were at? Or did it, did it evolve over time in your various roles, both in and out of the classroom, into becoming and championing what it means to be a heart leader? That's a, uh, that's a wonderful question. I, I don't, I mean, there was a, you know, a time a long time ago, uh, you know, a student and a parent many, many years ago had shared that, you know, the, the adage like, oh, Mr. Byron, you wear your heart on your sleeve. And uh, there's a piece of that about me that I'm extremely hyper emotional. I'm, I'm very, very hypersensitive and, and, and pieces that are born of, of my trauma origin and very much aware of that. And I've refined it with my mental health work and my mental health journey over time and the own, my own self-care supports I received, you know, kind of um, to smooth the edges of that as I've grown up, but also recognizing that it was okay to be a very emotional boy, which many males, um, young and older, um, are taught to like really box up and put away. Um, but I have a very, um, significant proclivity to being very sensitive, um, and, and emotional. And I think I've always kind of lived in that space and, 
um, been attuned in that kind of way. Um, I think ultimately it became a strong sense of empathy and 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 an authentic kind of vulnerability. Just a, a, I guess maybe about me, but um, the work really, you know, took shape. And and what I mean by that is I I really began the work of an educator as a way to give back, um, because there were a few people I really loved learning as a kid um, used to d- devour books, love being in the library. It's probably one of the places along with like the stage that saved my life. Um, but school was a significant struggle for me um, with, um, you know, a lot of diagnosed and undiagnosed issues, some significant trauma as early as like three, four and five years old that then continued to follow me and, um, like I really struggled. I just could not fit. I was that round peg in a in a very triangular hole. I just couldn't get it right, um, and just kind of tumbled headlong from one kind of chaotic attempt to fit into another. Um, and it wasn't until I found some mentors much later in my in my like uh, childhood and and then life who saw all of that, saw my worth, my value, and loved me into being love me into kind of helping to save me um, so that when it came to a place where I, I was really trying to pr- like figure out like a possible career and a, a path for myself that I wanted to be in service, like the teaching came back to me loud and clear, like ah, this, like this is what you have to be a part of. Look at when you needed it most, how a, a teacher like saved you. Um, as clearly as a life preserver thrown in the water, you know, for a drowning victim, like, uh, and, and from that place, I was like, they loved me into being, like I mentioned, and, in loving me in that way and seeing this little, little boy for what he was, what he had been and what he was trying to find out to be. Um, it was like, I had no other, tw- it became a calling. That service became a calling for me. Um, some people I even talk about in the book, some people re- experience it maybe in some kind of spiritual way or a religious way. Um, I, I just had a, a deep sense of like, this is what I had to do. Um, not to like fix anybody or to save the day, but to plug in in a way that I could give back and not only connect with others like myself to like be a positive, loving role model, but to, to be a, uh, a person in the space that was doing something much greater than myself. And then ultimately, I guess that became like the heart on my sleeve thing and just kind of live in this whole heart leader per- persona that's now obviously become branding uh, around my work and my writing and, and, and the way I kind of try to live um, as much as possible. And the, the fingerprint piece, which I love that you mentioned around the title is, you know, we all have our own story, you know, our own traumas, our own losses and hopes and, 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 and miracles in our lives. But, you know, they're as unique to us as our fingerprint. Um, and that we're all trying to live out the best story versions of ourselves as possible. Um, and, and in, 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 engaging with, uh, approaching, embracing each human being on a day-to-day basis. You mentioned the word engagement that, you know, assuming positive intent that when you engage with people that you're recognizing, they're bringing such individuality, such uniqueness um, in such a beautiful and unique and mysterious way that, you know, we in these service professions 
I really think have no other choice but to bring the love forward, but to bring the willingness to be curious and to listen more than speak and to engage and, and to heart love and heart lead and 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 guide them forward, you know, in those equitable, um, you know, loving, um, empathetic and authentic ways. I think if that if that answers some of it. 100 uh, percent. Ray, I'm wondering what's coming up for you as you listen to Matthew uh, expand on his own personal journey, how that feeds into and fuels his determination to lead from the heart. No, truly. I, Matthew, I haven't asked you this in the past, but the con the question I keep reflecting on is this balance of showing your emotion and having too much emotion in the field. And then also trying to find that balance and having not enough emotion in the field. I personally have experienced this. I know our community here knows I'm a very passionate person and, you know, when I got into education, I was overly emotional and I found myself many a times in front of a principal, like wanting to be professional and yet crying because I was upset about something and right or wrong. I almost inappropriately built up a reputation with one of my leaders that I wasn't able to handle the hardship of education because I seemed to be too emotional. And it took me years and years and years to find a way to grow in this space. And I almost think that there was a period of time when I then overcompensated the other way where I didn't have enough heart in the game. And that doesn't really serve us as educators either. There's this like perfect balance that we're looking for to share vulnerability and have so much empathy and for the for the work that we do and love for the work that they do work we do, but almost then find ways to not take it home with us and everything else. Do you have any strategies or ideas on how our community community here could continue to, to work on that balance. Cause I do see it as kind of like a seesaw that we're kind of probably just trying to find an even playing field here as much as possible, but I'm not sure that we're ever in the most perfect balance day to day. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I certainly have found um, earlier on to be that to be a challenge for me, as well as like the nature of like wanting to pour so much into your children, you know, your students, so much into your kids um, that you lose a sense of yourself at times or pour so much into them or feel like you want so much back from them that like you're like needing them, quote unquote, as much as they're needing you and realizing that that's not really a healthy construct, which to build from. And, you know, 20 some 26, 27 years. I've been a teacher for a very educator for a very long time. And I started young and I started with a lot of, you know, cracks. Of course, they let the light in and let the light through, as, as people say. And uh, I love that idea. However, like I, I had a lot of work to do and, and still do. And, you know, I've gotten healthier over time and really recognize where that balance is. And I think to your point or to your question, really, um, one thing I do um, in that um, tempering or, or buffering space is rather than focus on my emotional pulse, I'm focusing on their story. I'm putting all of my intentionality on the other person and their pulse, trying to really listen to it, trying to really, in essence, like a first responder, take the pulse, um, not only of the space, but of the person or people that I'm engaging with. So I'm not like, oh, is this really affecting me? Am I showing my emotion? Okay. I'm just trying to be present for them and with them in a way that I'm putting the focus there. Um, and so what it, at least for me enables me to do is allow me to 
be authentically listening or as people call it, actively engaged. You're actively listening to that person. So I'm not just listening, but I'm really hearing, you know, mm -hmm. with that um, intentionality. But um, at the same time, I'm giving myself a bit of a, a bit of a rational detachment a bit of a of that space or buffer so I can be present without like suddenly breaking down because they're talking about something extremely um, damaging or could even be potentially triggering for myself, triggering for myself in some way. Um, but I'm able to create some of that space. It's a space, you know, safe space for myself. So it's in essence, I'm like creating a condition to safeguard myself, my own heart, my own emotions, but giving them pieces of myself through my intentional active listening that focus on them and really not about me. So I take it off of me, place it directly on them. So that's been something that's been um, very helpful. I also, uh, as another, I guess, strategy, um, you know, depending on like, if it's a meeting, like a parent conference, um, if it's like, uh, yeah, I'll use, I'll use that example. Like, and, and Brad mentioned it, you know, like as school administrators and whatnot, we engage in many different types of, of, of community, you know, engagements with, with people that we serve. Um, so like with a parent conference, for example, I just had one recently. Um, and, rather than sit in a position that might be perceived as adversarial or places me in a place where I'm suddenly worried about what they're thinking, what they're feeling, what they're going to do, see me across the table. I went and sat next to them. So we could turn and just be in the same space. So it forced me in a way, and I, and I typically try to place myself closer. So I'm like, I'm, it communicates to me a very clear message, um, that not only am I trying to, and, and I, and I guess I should say also there, you know, from a culturally responsive lens, you have to gauge some of those things because people from all across the world engage, engage proximity in different ways and distance and contact. And so I think that's something you have to be mindful of as well. But I think just for the, the general concept, what I'm doing is coming not across the table, but to the table now and with you. So I'm close enough to say, I'm in this with you. And I want to be just right here with you. So when we have eyes to eyes contact or you feel like you need to reach over and touch my hand or you feel like you need to, you know, you have a certain kind of way you feel about something and need me to really hear it. I'm close enough to you that you recognize I'm going to really pick up on your energy um, and try to take it in and really listen to it so I can make ultimately some really active decisions around it. But I mean, you know, proximity and the use of it. And placement and rooms and how things are set up again around creating conditions, just like when we're designing trauma-sensitive trauma spaces, creating conditions around prevention and trauma responsiveness, just like in all these kinds of meetings we might engage in, you know, how you set those up um, so they don't become something so personal that you can't let go of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, so there's that piece as well. And if I am, here's as kind of a third tip. If I'm, if I'm working in something that I've invested a lot of personal time in, let's say you've designed a schedule, let's say you've written a, a press release or, so, you know, something else that you're sharing with a staff or at a board meeting, and it's very personal to you. Um, what I tend to do is try to write that well in advance so I can then step away from it and leave it alone for a few days and then come back to it and deconstruct it several times and almost sterilize or impersonalize it. So it takes my heart, my heart's still there, right? It's in the language, but I can take myself directly out of it. So when people want to critique it, add feedback, ask questions about it, I'm not like, oh, no, 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 I have to. It doesn't matter anymore. I'm not holding on to it like that anymore. I've let that go. 
and it doesn't mm. hold any power over me, any emotional power over me. You Those are just a couple, a couple things I work through. No, I, I love these strategies. For those of you that have uh, been with us here on our Sunday weekly warm up, I encourage you to to re-listen and reflect on the strategies that Matthew said Matthew had shared. The three that that really are are going to be things that I I continue to reflect on. Matthew are are wonderful concepts. That initial concept of making sure that you are truly not just listening but hearing, and you're focused less on how you're reacting and more of how. The person that you are communicating with is feeling and what they need for you in that moment. The second idea being um, using, you know, right. The, the the last one you shared was writing in advance and being able to, to share your thoughts, but then step away from it, kind of get a little disconnected and then edit as you go. And then obviously, you know, the middle one, just looking at how we can really ensure that we are supporting the people around us. So I also just want to echo Matthew, that you are always somebody that people can reach out to and, and create these conversations with outside of this live stream. So here in just a bit, we definitely will be sharing your contact information, your book resources and everything in between. So we can continue to get these strategies and conversations out in their professional learning network. But right now we are going to transition into our weekly spark. This is something that I love that we do every single show. It's something interesting, food for thought, add a little spark to our lives as we prepare for the week ahead. We will be right back. Hey everyone, we are here for our Sunday weekly warm up, and it is our Sunday Spark segment where Brad Hughes shares something good in the world that we can focus on. Brad, what you got for us this week? Oh, Brad, you're muted, and we, we want to hear this good stuff. Come on, buddy. It's just a click away. There we go. Uh, thanks, Ray and uh, Matthew. Wonderful conversation before the break, and uh, I, I I found this story uh, getting ready for the Sunday Spark. I found it. Uh, both inspirational and reassuring. Uh, and, and the story comes from Positive News. Uh, and uh, the headline is, A Spanish Politician Broke Down Barriers. In a win for inclusivity, politician Mar Galceran has become Spain's first parliamentarian with Down syndrome. Society is starting to see that people with Down syndrome have a lot to contribute, she told the Spanish Guardian newspaper after she obtained a seat in the regional parliament. But it's a very long road. Other European nations already have politicians with Down syndrome in office, for example, in France and in Ireland. And when I saw this story, I was reminded of a couple of things, uh, Ray and Matthew. Uh, one was the important role that we play uh, as educators in creating communities where the, the foundation of something like that can begin to occur. Uh, communities where everyone is a member, uh, everyone with their strengths and limitations, everyone with uh, their differences can be recognized, like a, I guess a place for all. Uh, and the second is the tremendous responsibility that all of us as educators have uh, to champion those uh, with needs that differ from ours or with needs that differ significantly from the majority of the people in the community. And I, I'm wondering if you guys, either of you can think of uh, ways that you would champion uh, the kind of inclusivity that led to uh, this parliamentarian with Down syndrome in Spain uh, being recognized and celebrated. 
Matt, I'd love to throw it to you, but I'm just going to give a little shout out. I think this would be so fabulous to share with students this week. I would love to see this be a conversation happening in classrooms all across K-12. Matt, what are your thoughts on this article? I think the first thing I would say without being glib is like, how else would we live in the world uh, around educate K to twelve educational spaces? Um, you know what? I'm. It's a. It's a beautiful thing. And how else would we do it? How else would we move? I think that's the responsibility of of all of us. That there's. I mean, I don't know. There's really no other option. Um, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I think. You know, our, uh, educational systems. Um, I mean, certainly in my country, um, you know, politics have been weaponized on, on both sides against, you know, education and, you know, indigenous communities, communities of color, vulnerable populations have been marginalized and disenfranchised in, in my country for hundreds of years um, for no other purpose but to deny them the things that they deserve, that they um, have every right to in the world. And I think you know, that article, that, that beautiful piece speaks to, you know, we're not just shifting paradigms. Now we're breaking them and building new frames to see the world through, but there are a lot of wonderful um, and hopeful changes happening um, where for so long that that just wasn't accepted or, or okay for some in, you know, in, you know, for many insane reasons. Um, but in our positions, I think, you know, it starts way before a school, you know, school bell ever rings and pre-surfaces and way before that, whenever, a, you know, a leadership team, whenever a school comes together, um, that that's the messaging from from day one, that all are welcomed and we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do all the time. There are no other options um, around that. And that goes for school staff, that they understand that that's the business we're about, about the human condition around humanity, around social justice, inclusivity, um, equity, anti-racism, all, all those critical pieces of the work. I mean, without those, there's, there's just, in my opinion, there's no such thing as school improvement. Mm. We, we deal with human beings, our business, our people, Loving them, leading them, helping to empower and enrich their lives, um, you know, whether it be building capacities in our school staff, um, whether it be, you know, continuing to develop our leadership structures around making sure we're creative, equitable conditions, whether you're calling the school and there are people there to answer in different languages, whether there's messaging on the boards outside that says you belong here, you are welcome here. Every single person and family have a space in this school, in this place, and we will fight for you and safeguard you at all times, in all ways. There's no other option. I think those have to be the consistent messages of educators. Um, across the world and, and certainly across the spaces that we occupy every day because of what kids deserve. Um, time is short. They come first and families and caregivers deserve that same love, that same respect and care. And, you know, no one's story is any better. They're just different. Like that fingerprint piece I was talking about. Um, but from that piece um, in these, in these roles, we have an innate responsibility to promote you know, educational freedom for everyone and to dismantle, you know, educational abolition um, and, and all the pieces that go with it um, 
in order to to safeguard our children and their families. Um, and, and that's the real school improvement for me because social, emotional wellness, academic achievement are, are critical aspects of school, but simply cannot happen without those other pieces first. That messaging mm-hmm. and driving that messaging forward because beliefs are lived through action and setting up very strategic mission and vision and equity teams or operationalizing heart leading teams in schools that reinforce that work in every single space every day that people know when they show up at that, you know, at that uh, arrival, <laughs> at that car rider line, at that front door, at that PTA event, that that is what that school is committed to unequivocally. And that's what they will always stand for and safeguard in the work of, of school, whether it's in the curriculum embedded there in a policy and a protocol in the PTA events and the words that people are using. Um, that's it. Beautiful, beautiful. I want to encourage everyone here in our community to not only continue to echo the message that Matthew so beautifully shared with us here just a few minutes ago of accepting and welcoming all people, but also choosing to build the right professional network around yourself as you walk into a wonderful year that is 2024. Matthew is definitely somebody that we encourage you to add to your PLN, whether you go grab the book, whether you connect with him, you know, in his direct messages, choose to connect with him on social media and choose to engage with the wonderful content he continues to share. Matt, do you mind sharing how our community can stay connected to you? Yeah. And, and Ray, if you don't want me saying, I, I just want to want to share as well. I'm a romantic um, and, you know, I carry a lot of idealism with me and I'm, a, I'm aware of that. You know, heart leading is the way to go, but it's messy. It can be messy at times. Trauma. I mean, come on. Right. It's uh, terribly difficult, whether it be vicarious or direct trauma um, and the intergenerational trauma that families have faced in educational systems across the world and their children by the product of that. Like none of this work is easy and often can be messy, but the results live through love. The results live with intentional, sustainable communication with families and and again, more listening than talking. And really trying to engage them in ways that say they have value and belong wherever you are, especially if you look like me. Um, you know, I, I'm, it, yeah, especially if you look like this, they need to know that when they show up to see this, that this is an ally and an advocate who's willing to do anything to support that student and family. But that is all difficult work still and challenging. I don't pretend to think it isn't at all. Um, and so you, to your point, I'm happy to engage in any conversation with any of our my colleagues out there in, in these spaces around specific examples. But the work will always be challenging, and that's why we show up to do it. Otherwise, everybody would be a teacher, and everybody would be in education in some way. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can reach me on um, Twitter, right, on X. Um, it's at MJ Bowerman. Um, Instagram is um, all lowercase, Mr. MJ Bowerman. My email, um, heartleaderlove, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Um, through the book as well. In the book, there are QR codes for a whole collection of free resources I provide for building community and engagement work with school family relationships, with trauma, um, and with social emotional engagement and supports for um, prioritizing students and empowering families and supporting school staff. So there's a lot of ways to connect with me there as well. Um, you can reach me through Ray and the team here. I'm, I mean, I'm happy at any point to have a conversation with anyone out there who needs, who needs to have somebody else out there. Cause I've, I've been there with you um, and you're definitely wherever you are, whoever you are, are not alone in any of this. And I'd love to, you know, bring our pulses together and then, and, and connect in love. So. 
Matt, we, Matthew, we love having you a part of our Teach Better family and very much appreciate you taking the time to be here live on the show for our Sunday weekly warm up. Brad Hughes, thank you. thank you so much, of course, again for another week co teaming our Sunday weekly warm up together in 2024. I love it. I love this time with you. And I'm so appreciative that you were also here to share in this wonderful conversation. I feel the same way. I just lit up inside when I saw that uh, Matthew was our guest tonight. And and Matthew's point is uh, what our Teach Better community is all about. We are not in this difficult, uh, a strange, uh, sometimes frustrating, sometimes disheartening, but, but ultimately empowering and life-changing uh, opportunity that it is to be in education. We are in this together. And uh, Matthew, Ray, or I are just a message or a text away if we can support your work in any way. So wonderful, friends. Next week, Brad and I will be here, just the two of us, tag teaming some conversation, taking your hard-hitting questions. I know a lot of you have been looking for some support on formative assessments, standard-based grading support. we got a lot in store to be able to share with you. And if you have any other topics that you'd like us to consider discussing, please throw it our way. We would love to spend next week's time together just supporting you through any sort of professional development that you need. The following week, we have the one and only Maurice Martin here with us. He is our part of our speakers network, one of the most requested speakers we have in our speaking net speakers network, and definitely somebody that will inspire you one after just a few minutes with him. So one night will be plenty to get you started. And the week after that, we have Melissa Smith joining us, which will be a wonderful conversation. Matthew, thank you again so much for joining us. Brad, I hope you and everyone here has an amazing week and we will see you very, very soon. Don't forget to tune in for our Teach Better Today morning show coming at you tomorrow morning. And uh, hey, for those of you that are with us, if you see this live stream tomorrow, Monday night on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn, feel free to share it with your community. Even more educators can connect with Matthew and the Teach Better community to get that support. Bye, guys.